Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is taken from our Fear Not series, which is taken from the stories of Christmas. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Let's take our Bibles this morning and let's go to the book of Matthew, Matthew and chapter uh, number one, Matthew chapter one. Matthew chapter 1 this morning, and we're going to uh, jump right back in our series that we started just last week, the, uh, the series entitled Fear Not, and uh, really just going through understanding that every one of us, uh, well, I'll say it this way, men like to think that, uh, that women are emotional. Men like to do that, men, you know, and uh, I remember when I was first getting married that I had uh, some uh, guys who were just a couple years older than me, and they warned me, you know, Dennis, you're getting married, and uh, your wife's emotional, and I was like, I grew up with three, you know, two sisters and a mom, I had three mothers growing up, Uh, I I got it handled, but uh, the truth is, is that while men want to say that maybe women are emotional, or parents want to say kids are are emotional, The fact of the matter is every one of us are emotional. Uh, Every single person deals with and wrestles with emotions. And uh, all too often, I mean, we struggle with anger and we struggle with bitterness and we struggle with frustration. And, And the fact is that all too often we allow our emotions to dictate our actions and to determine a decision that we're going to make. Uh, And unfortunately, probably one of the main emotions that we battle is the emotion of fear. Every single one of us, from the, from the toughest man all the way down to the smallest child, every single one of us deal with fear. And uh, fear, it has a way of, of stopping us in our tracks, so to speak. It has a way of, of crippling us as we move forward. Uh, fear can often cause us to make some of the most foolish choices that we could make and, and often miss some of the best experiences that we could, we could have. And because of this, we started this series last week uh, being encouraged from the Christmas story to fear not, fear not. It's words that were spoken throughout that first Christmas season. And, and last week, we really just stopped to understand that when Jesus Christ came into this world, uh, man, we find hope for every fear. And last week, we looked at Mary and, <coughs> excuse me, we were in that little town of Nazareth, just there to the... Uh, southeast of of the Sea of Galilee. And we were there with this young 14 or 15-year-old young lady who was uh, the soon-to-be mother of Jesus Christ when she was told that that she would have a child. And this, of course, was going to be a a miraculous birth because she, as she stated, I've not known a man. She had never been in a physical relationship with a man. She was a virgin. And so this was told to her, and, and this news came as a shock to her. She was told that uh, when the angel appeared to her, he, he said some things. And while you and I, we agreed last week that just the appearance alone of an angel would be frightening, yet the Bible tells us that that's not what scared her the most. What scared her the most were the words spoken to her in the angel's greeting. When the angel said to her, hail thou that art highly favored among women. When he said to her, hey, uh, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. You're, blessed art thou among women. And he said, 
I want you to know I'm, gonna, I'm giving you this greeting of God's grace is all over you. You're highly favored. The Lord is with you. Hey, the presence of God is with you. And you're highly spoken of among all these women. And we read from the story that it's that that startles her. That greeting startles her. What does it mean that I'm highly favored? What does it mean that God is with me? What does it mean that people are speaking? Why would you, why would you say this to a 14, a 15-year-old? And you can imagine, and last week we dove in, as she began to, to wrestle with all the emotions that she would be struggling with. And then the angel said something to her that stands out to us. He says, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Basically, he was saying to her, Mary, God's grace is abundantly available to you. Mary, God's grace, God's favor, his unmerited favor is all over you. And so Mary, what I'm about to tell you, there is grace for that. And last week we stopped and we looked through that whole story and what was given and some of the prophecies But we really stop to realize that that very first time when Jesus is brought up as coming into this world, his grace is mentioned. And we titled the message, There is Grace for That. Understanding that Mary, she was about to experience something that was unheard of up until that point and and since then. She, uh, She at that point was experiencing something that was only prophesied about. And yet God said to her, Mary, there's grace for it. Mary, I'll give you strength. Mary, I'll walk with you through this. And she, was able, she later was able to say, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Hey, I'm God's servant. I will do as he asked. Why? Because she understood there is grace for that. God's gonna give me grace through this. And uh, man, last week, what a great challenge for you and I to know that in everything we face, God gives grace. God gives strength. God gives that unmerited favor. And and so last week, we were challenged with that principle. We don't need to fear. Fear not. Why? Because there is grace for that. As we come to our next truth in this Fear Not series, I I really just want to start by being up front with you. And I want to tell you that as, as a kid and as an early teenager, I am what you probably would have called a fraidy cat. A scaredy cat. I was one who was scared often of the silliest things. Um, Probably common fears that many kids dealt with, but I can remember being uh, even a young teenager and still being frightened by the dark. I can remember going to bed at night wondering, like, can I still hear dad out there watching TV or studying, you know? And and, uh, one of the things that... That I learned, though, was in my fears, if dad was involved, I had no reason to be scared. Maybe you can, re, uh, maybe you can connect with this, but my dad, of course, uh, we, we grew up, my dad grew up in California, and so he grew up, he would tell you as a beach bum, uh, man, he grew up surfing and all of that type of stuff. And so growing up in my dad's home, we'd swam all the time. We'd go swimming whenever we, whenever any chance we got, we would be in California at the beach, and then uh, we would be at hotels with pools, and we we did that stuff all the time. And so, from just a from just a young age, my dad was trying to teach me how to swim. But I remember 
And I, we have pictures of it. When I was about, you know, three, four, and five years old going swimming with dad, that dad would put me up on the ledge of the pool and he would go away and he'd say, jump. And I'm looking, you know, as this four-year-old kid and you're thinking, no, there's no way I'm jumping in that, man. And that, that was me. Maybe you weren't that way, but I was that way. I was scared to jump in. And he'd jump. No, Dad, I'm, I'm too scared. Dad, I don't want to. And you, you know, you do the whole, <laughs> you know, that was, the, that was the motions that I would go through. But you know, when, you know when that changed is when Dad would come right in front of me. And when Dad was right there and he'd look up and say, okay, now jump. Man, usually when dad did that, I didn't have any hesitation. Why? Because he was there. Because this was, this was a direction. This was an instruction coming from my dad that I knew I could trust him. Now we've experienced it with our own kids, of course, teaching them to swim and different things like that. But uh, I remember a couple years ago, um, now I'll tell you this, I've grown out of many of those fears and so now I do crazy things every now and then. And uh, a couple years ago, we went cliff jumping with the men for men and boys camp out. We were cliff jumping. And it's, it, the, one, the one cliff was probably only 15 feet. The other one was 50. But the 15-foot cliff that we were jumping off of, I remember we're going up there and, uh, with some of the dads and the boys. And, and Micah, at the time, he was, he was eight and a half years older or just turned nine. And uh, Micah was there. And of course, we're jumping in this water. And 15 feet, I mean, to a... To a six foot four man, that's, that's a big drop. But to a kid, you know, that's huge. And I remember I, we were up there and talking about jumping and guys were doing it. So I'd gone off and, and jumped off and swam back over. And Micah's like, okay, dad, I wanna do it. I wanna do it. I wanna do it. Whew. All right, dad, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. And then he's like, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. And he wouldn't jump. But you know what happened? You know when he jumped? Is when I jumped in first and said, all right, son, all right, son come on. And right then, okay, and he jumped right in. The point I'm trying to make is this, that when the father's involved, whatever step he's asking you to take, you can take it. The principle we're gonna understand today from the word of God and from the story, the Christmas story, and when the information was given to Joseph is a simple statement. Fear not, don't be afraid to follow the father's plan. Don't be afraid to follow the Father's plan. If the Father, if the Heavenly Father, if God's involved, if he is asking you to take a step, if he's asking you to jump, you don't need to be afraid. That's one truth we're gonna understand from Matthew chapter one. So take your Bible, if you would, let's stand. And let's go to Matthew chapter number one. We're just gonna read a few verses out of Matthew chapter one, beginning, excuse me, in verse number 18. Matthew chapter one, beginning in verse number 18, we read these words. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. It happened in this way. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she, Mary, was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded. He had it in his mind to put her away privily or privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for or because that 
which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for because he shall save his people from their sins. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which, being interpreted, is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. I love the character of Joseph. I find myself as as a man kind of connecting with him a little bit. And today, just as Mary was told, fear not, today we find Joseph, this adopted father, if you will, of Jesus. We find him hearing, fear not. And the fear not that I believe that we find Joseph hearing is one that is all throughout scripture for us as believers as well. And it's simply this thought. Don't be afraid to follow God's plan for your life. Don't be afraid to follow God's plan for your life. He has things in store for you. He has steps that he is going to ask you to take. He has decisions that he's going to want you to make. He has cliffs that he's going to want you to jump off of. He has a a pool that he's on the inside saying, okay, you can jump. And I just want to encourage us today to understand that scripture teaches this principle. We don't need to be afraid to take steps that God asks us to. That's a challenge I wanna give to us this morning, something I believe that we'll find in this story and that I think can help every one of us. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time with your heads bowed and eyes closed. If you would, would you give God permission to speak to you? You can pray something simple of, dear God, please speak to me. And then if you would, would you just make a commitment? God, as you speak to me, as you speak to me, I'm listening to you, and I'll respond to you. Dear Lord, I just want to come before you and thank you for the word of God and thank you for how you use it in our life. I want to thank you, Lord, for how you desire to use it. And God, I want to come today and I want to pray right now that as we go into our time in the word of God, that you'd speak to us, that you'd help us to hear from you, You'd help us to be challenged by your word. Lord, I pray that if there's someone that is here this morning that does not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, I pray that today, uh, Lord, that you would uh, help them be able to make that decision of trusting you as their personal savior. For those here that do know you as savior, I pray that you'd help everyone uh, today to hear from you exactly what you have for us. We love you, Lord. We thank you for what you're gonna do, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. You go ahead and be seated. As we start this morning, I can think that probably a lot of us have uh, favorite characters within the Christmas story. Uh, I know, kind of growing up as a kid, I just love the angels. Not the angels, the shepherds. I like the angels too, but uh, I like the shepherds. I always thought the shepherds were cool. I thought, man, that'd be so cool to be out there and and for God to be, you know, the angel and the choir and all that stuff. And we'll learn about the shepherds next week. But as I've gotten older, uh, as I stated a moment ago, I just really find myself connecting with Joseph. And I find myself kind of maybe 
be going through some of the mind games that Joseph would have been going through. And so as we kind of open up this passage this morning and dive into it, I want us to notice, first of all, what we're calling the conflict within Joseph, the conflict within Joseph. As the passage of Scripture opens up, we find Joseph hearing for the very first time that Mary is expecting and that it's not his child. Notice what Matthew 1.18 says. It says the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. It happened in this way. When as Mary, his mother, his mother Mary was espoused or engaged to betrothed to Joseph, behold, they came together and when she was found with child of the Lord. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. That's an interesting statement when we read she was found with child of the Holy Ghost before they come together. That that is uh, is helping us understand no physical relationship had taken place yet. And it says before that happened, uh, they found out she was with child. This phrase, found with child of the Holy Ghost, this is referring to the fact that Joseph, he hears for the very first time that she's expecting. Joseph, for the very first time, is brought into the series of events that has taken place in Mary's life. We, we don't know exactly when in the series of events this would take place, but we could probably uh, come to the conclusion that it was early on. This is probably, maybe, if you know the story, you know that Mary, she heard from the angel in Luke chapter number one, and then right after she heard from the angel, we read that she goes to uh, her cousin Elizabeth's house and spends time with her for three months, and then, and then Mary comes back. So Matthew chapter one maybe took place right before she left or right after she comes back. We don't know exactly what happened. We just know that it's made known to Joseph that Mary, this woman you're supposed to Mary is expecting. I personally think that it probably took place right after Mary found out. From some of the words that's used here, I think that Mary herself tells Joseph. I think from the character of Mary, we could probably gather that. And so it's, it's found out. Mary comes to Joseph and says, hey, are you sitting down? <laughs> I want to tell you something. I'm expecting. But Joseph, 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 listen. I'm expecting from the Holy Ghost. It's a miracle. Joseph, Joseph, I, Joseph, I, I haven't been with anybody. And can you, can you kind of think about the conversation that would take place? Number one, think about the fear that Mary would have. But then I want to today to think about the emotions, the struggle that Joseph would have. As I began thinking what emotions would be going through my mind, I'm thinking probably disbelief. Disbelief, Joseph going, no, this isn't true. I mean, uh, not Mary. Is she who she said she was? Is, is she who her family has portrayed her to be? I mean, the scripture tells us that she was spoken highly of among all the women. And so Joseph, no doubt, is in disbelief. I, I think Joseph was probably experiencing hurt. Joseph thinking, I've, I've been lied to. And now she's lying right now. I mean, how could she come up with a story to blame this on God? Perhaps heartache. Perhaps Joseph is sitting there just wondering why. 
Like, why would she do this to me? Jealousy. Who's the guy? Jealousy, who's, who's the person? Jealousy, Mary, tell me what happened right now. I mean, really, we could continue down the line with the emotions going on in Joseph. We could go to anger or frustration or irritation or, or embarrassment. We could go to curiosity. What, what's going on? What's really happening? What is the truth? I mean, if you think about it, Joseph was definitely dealing with a, a lot of emotions. And you can imagine the range of emotions which Joseph is struggling with. He's just facing and, and, and curious, man, what is taking place? And while we don't read of all of the emotions, we do read of some. And here's what we read in Matthew chapter 1, verse number 19, that Joseph, her husband, he's a just man. That means he's a righteous man. He's a, he's a man of good character. He's not willing to make her a public example, but he was minded or he was leaning towards putting her away privately. And we read that, you know, Joseph, the biggest emotion that Joseph is struggling with, he's struggling with fear. He's wrestling with, what do I do? What are people going to think? I, I love her. I don't, I don't want to make her a public example, but I can't marry her. He didn't want to make a spectacle of the situation. It's something an extreme that he wanted to avoid because According to the law, he could make her a public example, the book of Deuteronomy that they would lean on very much. It, it stated that if someone was found with child out of marriage, that the, the, the one she was espoused to could bring her before the, the people and accuse her and, and they would stone her and kill her. According to the law, that was, that was his right, but he's not willing to do that. He's a, he's a just man. He wanted to do the right thing. And I, I love how Matthew writes about Joseph and his character and how it, it stands out in this verse because Joseph, he was, he was just, he was right, but he was also loving. I, I love that about Joseph. He, he didn't want to just make a big spectacle of it. He wanted to do something privately. Uh, I think Joseph, he wasn't reactionary. Now, putting us in Joseph's uh, position, I find myself probably being reactionary, kind of jumping to conclusions, if you will. But instead, the Bible tells us that he was thinking about these things, verse number 20, but while he thought on these things, Joseph wasn't reactionary. He, he wanted to do the right thing. And so instead of making a public example, I'm going to just kind of deal with this in the shadows and I'm gonna divorce her privately. And even though they hadn't come together yet, there's still a, a bill of divorcement that would need to be written. And so Joseph, he, he's struggling with this. He's deciding on what do I do? Do I, do I separate from her? I mean, I can't marry her, but I don't want her to die. And I love her and I'm, a, I'm afraid of what people are going to think. And he's trying to decide what he's going to do. His struggle is, do I continue forward and believe her, or do I make this thing disappear quietly? I think that the internal wrestling match that Joseph was facing is one that you and I still face to this day. Oh, it's a different story. It's different events. But the internal struggle that Joseph had is one that you and I do face every single day. This is the struggle, the wrestling match between doing what we want to do and between doing what we're supposed to do. 
between doing what we want to do and what God is perhaps showing us to do. Now, Joseph, his fear, I believe, was a fear of the unknown. Now, how many of us deal with that? We all do. We all deal with the fear of the unknown. Something's presented to us, and we don't know the outcome of it, so I can't take a step. I can't go that direction. Why? Because I don't know what's going to happen, and I see Joseph here with this fear of, I don't know what's going to take place. I don't want her executed. I'll put her away privately, but, I, but he's thinking on these things. That means he hadn't settled in his heart. He's still even thinking, maybe I'll still marry her. Like I just don't. Often in our life, the struggle is similar. Do I follow God's plan for me or, or do I continue with what I think is best? I mean, for example, do I put God first in my family or do I allow something else to take his place? Do I trust God in giving or do I uh, use the money as God would want or excuse me, as I would want? Do I place importance upon God's word in my life or do I just kind of squeeze it in time and time? You see, the fact is that every single one of us, we have the internal struggles every day of doing what we want to do or doing what we perhaps believe that maybe God would want us to do. And that internal struggling match or wrestling match that Joseph dealt with, we too deal with. We see a conflict within Joseph. I notice, secondly, the challenge to Joseph. The challenge to Joseph, the Bible tells us in verse number 20 that while he thinks on these things, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. Joseph's thinking about these things. uh, I've heard it said before, and I, I kind of would agree with it that Joseph probably is going to bed and his mind is just mulling over all of this. Maybe it's the day that he heard. Maybe Mary has told him just previously that afternoon and, and Joseph probably just kind of in frustration says, I, I can't even deal with it right now. I, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And, and he goes home. And as Joseph gets in his bed that night and no doubt tears streaming down his face throughout the day and heartache and all of those emotions and that struggle and him thinking all of these things leading up to going to sleep that night, he pillows his head with, with anxiety and pillows his head with this fear. And the Bible tells us that in that moment, while he thought on these things, in that moment, God came to him. And what does the Lord say to him? Well, in the dream... The angel says, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, because that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Hey, Joseph, I know you're afraid to get married to Mary right now, but Joseph, I'm going to tell you one thing. You don't need to be afraid of this. She's telling the truth. Hey, Joseph, you don't need to be afraid. All of this is from God. Hey, Joseph, you don't need to be scared. You can follow through with what you've already been planning. You can follow through with what God has in store for you. Joseph, don't be afraid to follow my plan for you. And in this dream, God directed Joseph. Joseph, everything she said is true. You are going to raise the Messiah. He says in verse number 21, she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt uh, call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. And the Bible tells us that Joseph, while he thought about that decision, God directed him to the right decision. Before we continue on, can I just make a note and something that I think is interesting? 
I think Joseph's character in verse number 20 carries with it a great challenge to us before making decisions. Do you, do you read there in verse number 20 that Joseph, he thought on these things. He didn't just jump to a conclusion. I love that Joseph didn't do that even with Mary. It was a big choice, and Joseph didn't react to the news that he had heard. Instead, he sat down. He wanted to process that. And I think what a great lesson for us, don't make assumptions. You see, had Joseph been irrational, he might have missed the opportunity to raise Jesus Christ as the adopted father. And yet, he didn't. He made, made a point to think on these things, to put thought to it. And we find that while he thought about it, while he was in that mulling over uh, time period, God showed up. And God says, Joseph, I am working a miracle that was prophesied long before you. In this passage, we find that God says through the angel to Joseph that he's going to be the stepfather, the adopted father of, of the Messiah. We don't have time to do it, but everything said in verse number 21 is clarified for us in verse 22 and 23 and connected with the prophecy that was given in the book of Isaiah in chapter number seven. And all of that would have connected to the name Jesus, Yahashua, Joshua, the Lord is my salvation, the the Messiah, all of this stuff would be connected to uh, prophecy. And so Joseph is now being told, hey, you are going to be the father of, of the one that has been promised. Joseph, you're going to be the adopted father of the one whom salvation belongs to. And Joseph, you're gonna be the one of uh, the, the father of the, uh, uh, the child who is gonna save his people. All who call upon him, he's gonna save them from their sins. And all of this, there's a, a simple challenge to Joseph. Joseph, you don't need to be afraid of following my plan. Hey, Joseph, fear not to follow the plan that I have for your life. I just want to make a point to help us understand today that you and I, we have, as we've stated, we have within us that struggle that is real. And every day we struggle with, do I follow the plan of God for my life or do I follow what I want to do? In our lives, following the plan of God or for our decisions, sometimes it, like Joseph's life, it doesn't make sense. In Joseph's life, it, was a, it really was an illogical decision for Joseph to say, okay, I'll marry her anyway. Humanly speaking, it was illogical. I mean, irrational. I mean, really, uh, yeah, yeah, right, Mary. This is, of, this is of God. Don't spiritualize your problem, Mary. You're just blaming them. I mean, humanly speaking, that could be the road that we would go down. But Joseph did not lean on his own understanding. He did not lean into his own wisdom. He did not lean into his own decision-making power. Instead, he thought on these things. And while Joseph took time to thought, God showed up and confirmed the decision that he needed to make. Can I just tell you this morning, don't ever, be, don't ever fear to take the steps which the Lord is leading you to take. There are going to be times in your life when, when God asks you, to take a step that doesn't make sense to you. Don't be afraid to do it. 
Oh, now we know God is not going to work through visions and dreams in the, in, uh, right now. He doesn't work that way. Specifically, we know that God works through his word, and we're going to see that in just a minute. But regardless of how God works in your life, maybe through the preaching of a message or through the challenge of a friend or through your time in the word of God or somebody else who's close to God, regardless of how God works in our life, God is always, until the day we die, we've been going through this in Philippians, God is always going to be growing us. He's always gonna be encouraging you to take another step. Well, the step for you, it might be that God desires that you would just step up in the home and begin fulfilling your role as a father. Hey, don't be afraid to to step up and lead your family according to the word of God. Maybe your step is as a mom to place yourself underneath the husband and be able to say, you know what, you're going to lead. I'm taking that hat off and I'm going to give it to you. Maybe maybe your step is in giving. God's been working with you about, about tithing or about missions giving or building or whatever the case might be. God's been saying, hey, why don't you just step out by faith and do that? Maybe your step is, is witnessing at work. It's conveying truth at work and at work beginning to speak up about the faith that you have in Jesus Christ. Maybe your step is just to take a step in in your personal time with the Lord. And and this new year is going to be a year where I seek God. And every day I'm going to make a commitment to be in the word of God. Or or maybe your step is a commitment to faithfulness. Hey, you know what? I kind of been hitting and missing on my faithfulness to church or my faithfulness in my relationship to the Lord. And so I'm going to be faithful. Listen, the truth is that every single one of us... All of, all, all, at all periods in our life, we are going to be challenged by God to take steps. And again, sometimes they don't make sense. Humanly speaking, it does not make sense to wake up in the morning and spend your first 20 or 30 minutes with God. Now, humanly speaking, I mean, uh, thinking rationally, as most people, you know, would look through the uh, secular viewpoint to the world, they would say, you know what? It makes sense to wake up and to to exercise, to wake up and the first thing I do is get my cup of coffee and I, I turn on the news. Wake up and, man, logically, humanly thinking, that's what makes sense. It doesn't make sense to get up and spend time in a, a book that's thousands of years old with a, a God that you cannot see physically. And yet God says, don't be afraid to follow my plan. Hey, don't be afraid to make that step. Hey, don't be afraid to make that decision. Fear not, Joseph. Hey, Joseph, listen, it's illogical. Joseph, it's irrational. Joseph, it's gonna take a lot of faith. Joseph, you're afraid to do this, but you don't need to fear. Why? Because this is my plan. Joseph, this is my plan. As I look at this, I think that while this wasn't easy, this plan was completely filled with promise. And you and I, we never need to fear following God's plan in our lives. Why? Because it's filled with promise. Here's how Jesus said it in Matthew 16, 24 and 25. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him first deny himself. Hey, you've got to give up your thoughts and your dreams and your plans and your goals. And Joseph had to give up uh, the, the way he had planned out for his life. Joseph had to put all of that aside, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And then he says this in verse 25, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. 
And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Hey, if you put your priorities first, your life is wasted. But if you put my priorities first, you will actually find life. And Jesus said, I have come to give life and I've come to give it more abundantly. Man, the truth is this morning that you and I, we struggle in life with doing what we wanna do or doing what God wants to do. Joseph had the same struggle that very first Christmas and it was told him, hey, don't be afraid, Joseph, to follow my plan. I see the conflict within Joseph, that struggle that was real. I see the challenge to him, don't be afraid to follow my plan. But thirdly and last this morning, I see the choice of Joseph. I see the choice of Joseph. Very quickly, notice the choice with me. Verse number 24 and 25. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. You know what? Simply put, Joseph wakes up and he quickly follows the plan of God. If you look at it and I don't have time to get into all of the the Greek wording, but the phrase, <clears throat> excuse me, you ever get a hair or something stuck? It's bad when you're speaking. Uh, it says, then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. That phrase right there, it means he did it with haste. It means he did it quickly. It means that probably within the next couple of days, Joseph said, you know what? We need to get married now. We need, to have the, we need to have the formal things now. We need to uh, forego the weeks, the months of espousal. We just need to get married now. And Joseph, he did all of this quickly. He did it with speed. I believe that Joseph, being a right man, being this man of a just character, I think that Joseph knew, hey, if we don't get married and people find out, it's gonna be bad for the whole family. It'll be bad for you It'll be bad for this child, but since this is from God, let's get married right away. We won't have any physical relationship until after the baby is born. I think Joseph did it quickly. Why do we believe he did that? For years, for years of studying and preaching, I've always thought, you know, well, it probably, it probably word got out. Probably everybody in Nazareth knew. That, that she had this baby out of wedlock. Probably that's the common knowledge. And while I do believe that there were probably a number of people that knew, later in the life of Jesus Christ, the question was asked, is not this the son of a carpenter? The question was not asked, is not this the son of a harlot? There's a big difference. I think Joseph did it quickly because he knew hey, we gotta make sure that we protect the testimony of this child. We protect your testimony as his mom. I love Joseph's character. His choice was quick fellowship. He was quick to follow the Lord. He was quick to move forward. It, he, he was quick to make this decision. My, my question then is how was he able to come to this conclusion so quickly? Well, of course, he saw an angel. I think there's more to it than that. I want you to know very quickly why Joseph chose to follow God's plan. Number one, God's plan lined up with the word of God. You know what? The plan of God was prophesied and it lined up with scripture. Number two, 
his plan, God's plan, it was confirmed by someone close to God. The angel spoke it to him. Mary, the one who was seen as a godly young lady, she spoke it to him. So it lined up with the word of God. It was confirmed by someone close to God. And number three, it would continue, not continued, it would continue to advance the testimony of God. You know what? God's work would move forward if Joseph followed God's plan. You say, Pastor, why do you bring those three thoughts up? I bring those three thoughts up because I just want to tell you this morning that in your decisions, you're going to have to determine what is, what, what is the, the, the way, the direction God wants me to go and what is the direction I want to go. And I'm going to tell you that the plan of God will always line up with those three truths. God's plan, it will always, it will always line up with the word of God. God's spirit will never lead you contrary to God's word. God's direction will never lead you contrary to God's word. And if it is, found, if it is not found in scripture, it is probably not God's plan for your life. Why? Because God's plan always lines up with his word. In the life of Joseph, it had been prophesied. It lined up completely with scripture. There was nothing that was missing from it or added to it. It lined up completely. In your life, if you want to decide what direction is the way that God wants me to go, number one, God's plan is always going to line up with his word. Number two, God's plan is always going to be confirmed by someone close to God. What do you mean by that? Every one of us have influences of people in our life. Maybe it's a pastor, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a loved one, maybe it's a spouse. We have people that they themselves choose to walk with God. You know what? When I give them the decision that I'm trying to make, you know what's going to happen is God's plan is going to line up with people who are close to him. People who are close to him are going to say, you know what, I think this might be of the Lord. Hey, we see this in scripture. The Bible says it this way in Proverbs that in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. You know why it says that? I believe the principle is laid out that God's plan will always line up in accordance with his word, but also with people that are close to him. And then thirdly, God's plan, it will always continue to advance the cause of Christ forward. God's plan in your life, it is always going to be a forward-moving thing. I do not mean to say anything that would hurt feelings this morning, but I want to lay out a principle. Right now in our country, and right now in Christianity, there are lines that are being determined. One of those lines is, do we as a church continue forward or do we just go back into comfort zone? I want to tell you right now this morning that God's plan, and I believe this, and for those of you watching online, I would not ever say this to make someone feel bad or feel guilty, but I believe that God's plan is still the church. I believe God's plan is still not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more exhorting one another as you see the day approach. Listen, I believe God's plan is not forsaking his house. And right now, we're gonna come, you're, you, you as an individual, those of you online, listen, we're, and I'm not talking about those that are sick or are immune compromised. Listen, in 2015, I said, if you're sick and immune compromised, you know, Make, make other plans, make other decisions or whatever the case may be that you feel is necessary. But the truth is, 
that there are a lot of Christians, not just at Moses Lake Baptist, but a lot of Christians around the world that are saying, no, my line is I'm going to stay back in the name of safety. Can I tell you that the early believers, they didn't lay back in the name of safety when they met in the tombs. They They didn't stay back in the name of safety when Nero was out to kill them. They didn't stay back in the name of safety during the the Crusades, which, by the way, wasn't done by Bible-believing Christians. They didn't didn't stay back in the early uh, 1800s, or excuse me, early 1600s and and 1700s as America was being discovered and Christians were, were still being persecuted for their faith, even though they had come here to make a nation of freedom and freedom of religion, even though that was taking place. Listen, Christians didn't cower back. And I just want to tell you this morning, and again, I would not do this to guilt anybody or anything. I would do this, I believe, based completely upon the principle of the word of God, that God's plan is always going to advance his testimony forward. It is always going to move the cause of Christ forward. And so in your life, it is God's plan that you would walk with him. And it is God's plan that you and I would, would be in church. And it is God's plan that I would continue giving. And it is God's plan that I would serve. And it is God's plan that I would speak to people about my faith, even though someone may have a different opinion than me. It is God's plan that I would move Move forward for the Lord. Why? Because it is confirmed by his word. It is confirmed by people who are close to God. And it is always something that will advance his cause forward. And I hope that we as Christians would step back and understand that Joseph, he had to make a decision on this day. He had to make a decision. There was a great conflict going on within him. What do I do? Do I follow God or do I listen to myself? And the challenge is given, Joseph, you don't need to be afraid to follow God's plan in your life. Joseph, you do not need to be afraid to do what God has asked you to do. And the truth is that you and I, we are going to continually struggle with the fear of following God's plan and moving forward with things that we may seem as, see, that may seem as abnormal or we decide on following God or on pursuing my plans and how I think things should be. Joseph's fear was to take Mary as his wife. Do I believe her story being from God or do I choose my own way? And Joseph was encouraged. Hey, Joseph, don't fear to do what I've told you. Joseph, don't fear to take the next step. Can I tell us this morning and every one of us that the next step that God has for you, it may cause fear. It may cause a little bit of an internal struggle, but fear not to follow God's plan in your life. Hey, don't be afraid. If God's directing you, if it lines up with his word, if it lines up with his people, if it lines up and it moves the cause of Christ forward, hey, don't be afraid to make the move. Make the decision that God is asking you to make. I was afraid of a lot of things when I was a kid. But when my father was involved, I didn't need to fear. When my dad said jump, I could say, okay. Can I tell you, when your heavenly father says jump, we can say, okay. You know what I love about God? Usually he doesn't say jump. (laughs) Usually he's like six inches. I can't, God. Just, Just trust me, six inches. 
And you know what God wants us to do? Just take that step. What's the step God's been asking you to do? What's the challenge God's been giving to you? What step is it that God's been saying, hey, you can do this? Today, I hope you make the decision of, okay, God, I'll do it. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.